Hello, and welcome to Lost in Criterion. Uh, this week's movie is Sallow and Pat. <laughs> I'm so sorry for making you watch this. There was a brief moment watching this movie when I I considered just scrapping this entire project. There was a brief moment where I th- I considered sending you hate mail. <laughs> I, uh, I actually sent Pat an email uh, apologizing <laughs> for making him watch it. And and saying that it would be okay if he or his wife never wanted to talk to me. Again. Well, and as I as I have said before, your apology was not enough. Actually, <laughs> like it was not enough because I, I had not watched the film yet. It was not enough warning about what I, was to I come. I failed to warn you. By the way, I should probably introduce myself. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and I am the Adam Glass as always. And this week, uh, as we were talking about, I briefly. Briefly said their name, Salo, or The 120 Days of Sodom, written, directed by Italian director, writer, poet, uh, social commentarist uh, extraordinaire, Pierre Pasolini, adapted from the works of the Marquis de Sade, but set in a post-Mussolini, but uh, still fascist Italy at the end of World War II. Uh, this was Pasolini's last movie before his murder in 1975, probably the cause the same of year. Um, well, no, not necessarily, I, I, but uh, I, I don't know. No, I didn't I, read anything about Pasolini, so I don't know. No, it's actually, it's actually, it's very interesting. Um, uh, Pasolini was uh, he kind of first made it on the national scene during in a uh, in a homosexual scandal in a small town, um, which obviously in you know the twenties and thirties was a was a bit more of a scandal than it even would be today, um, but. Uh, he at first a uh, a hustler, a young gay prostitute, seventeen years old, admitted to the murder. But then, about thirty years later, uh, around about ninety five, ninety eight, I think maybe, um, recanted his confession and said that he was coerced into it by the police. Um, so officially, his murder is still unsolved. Wow. Um, yeah, that's fascinating, actually. So, isn't it? No, it really is an interesting fact. And nothing to do with this movie, no, but a no, really interesting fact interesting. About, about the director. Far more interesting than um, the film. Can yeah. we talk about this um, <laughs> No, Pat, we have to actually talk about the movie. I'm sorry. Uh, if, you're, if you've been following along at home, uh, I also apologize. Seventeenth movie we watched because um, we're watching yeah, them. We're watching that. them in spine order. This is about number seventeen. Um, there have been other movies that we've watched so far that I wouldn't necessarily recommend um, to other people. Um, right, but there's none that I would actively discourage people yeah. from watching. Um, for instance, The Beauty and the Beast had enough issues that I. W- it's not a great movie. Um, <laughs> the Silence of the Lambs. You, you would me. not recommend Silence of the Lambs. Actually, honestly, if somebody wanted something just to watch, yeah. I would actually yeah. probably still recommend Silence it's, of the Lambs. It's not a bad yeah. film. I just don't agree with the acclaim. Yeah. 
This, on the other hand, this this movie, I, I will actively yeah, tell people to yeah, avoid. I have, I have, in the wake of seeing this movie, I watched it on Monday, and it's now Saturday. Um, in the wake of watching this movie, I told everyone, everyone I could, that this is the most terrible thing I've ever watched. Um, well, I have nobody to tell. <laughs> I mean, it's all bottled up inside. Oh, Pat, well, you, you can tell. I told my wife that it's the worst film I've ever seen, but I can't describe it to her without th- her thinking I'm a crazy person. <laughs> Surely no one would make a movie in which these things happen. <laughs> right. You must have been dreaming, Pat, which means we need to check you into a mental yes. hospital. And Japanese mental hospitals, they're terrible. Oh, yes. I actually have that. But maybe you could solve a murder while you're there. That's true. Wait. Yeah, no foreshadowing. No foreshadowing. That's another movie we'll talk about in a few in a few episodes. Anyway. Um, so this movie, um, we? we should probably actually get into and talk about. Oh, by the way, so last time we had Donovan as our resident samurai film expert. Yes. Do we not have any crazy, <laughs> demented, nightmare friends that we could use as an expert on this um, film and its content? I actually, I do have a friend who, when I was, when I was watching <laughs> this movie, when when I had, when I was talking about how I had to watch this movie. And that I had heard it was controversial, and I had heard that in in um, execution it was essentially uh, Caligula turned up to eleven. Um, yeah, he he said to me that he had seen it, and that it wasn't nearly as bad as most people pointed Who out could to possibly be. Possibly say that. Um, Did he see like some sort of? Okay, I, there's no such thing as an edited cut yeah, because he's, it would be eight minutes I long. Think, I think that he it's he only watched it once many years ago and has slowly blocked out. Because yeah, this I movie, can see that. In ten years, I probably won't hate it as much. This as movie right is just as bad as everyone makes it out to be. No, it's way worse. <laughs> if not worse. Like, honestly, like, the warnings I got, like, like just briefly reading about it online yeah. were not sufficient. Um, there's one online... To warn me about One online review- viewer, uh, I think he works with the whole That Guy With Glasses uh, enterprise, um, but is not, is not specifically That Guy With Glasses. Um... I read, I was reading, I think, on his TV Tropes page um, that he loves Caligula, and Caligula is one of his favorite movies, but because of the shtick of his character, he had to write a positive review of Salo, and he says it was the hardest thing he's ever done. Oh, I can see that. That would be a challenge. So, um... Yeah. An interesting fact before we get into the rest of this, and, and we'll have to actually talk about some of the things that happened to justify all the opinions uh, we've, we've been. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Pat. Well, they're going to watch Sorry to make you relive they this. If they listen to it. Um, I, d- I do find it interesting that uh, in 94 in Cincinnati, Ohio, which is just a few hours away from me, um, the a, an undercover police officer rented this movie in 1994, in under, you know, 20 years after it came out. Uh, while it was still banned in Australia, uh, apparently. Um, and apparently, I think, also in the United Kingdom. Yes, and certainly in New Zealand. Right but um, anyway, uh, an undercover police officer bought this movie or rented it at a gay bookstore in Cincinnati. Um, and after <laughs> after purchasing it, arrested the owners of the bookstore for pandering. 
um, and a very large group of artists and film scholars, uh, according to the Wikipedia article, this includes Martin Scorsese, Alec Baldwin, um, signed a legal brief to defend this movie's artistic merit. Um, and I'm sure one of the things we will get to in this conversation is what constitutes obscenity and, and artistic But first, let's movies. talk about the jet plane in the background yes, of your, yes, <laughs> a, your audio. A, a, a plane has just flown over my house. It's actually very rare that it's so loud uh, when it's not helicopter night. Helicopter night being the night that someone <laughs> in my neighborhood has stolen a thing and the police helicopters are circling. Oh, uh, I assumed that there was just a night where the airport like really... like. Gets into the whole helicopter no, thing. No. Anyway, um, the court never made it to the question of obscenity with this movie because they threw out the case on Fourth Amendment grounds uh, on the arrest more than the more than whether or not the movie is free speech. Um, so we never get to answer that question in American courts. Um, it'd be very interesting. I think there'd be a lot of arguments, and I'm pretty sure this is one that would make it to the Supreme Court, except maybe not. Um, in America, in America, for uh, for something to be determined as uh, as uh, obscene. obscene, it has to not pass what's called the slaps test, um, among among some other things, um, the Miller test. Uh, basically, the Miller test. Is, is slaps plus some. Um, so viewing it, and it has to, it has to fail all three of these, which is why it's really hard to get something declared obscene in U.S. courts. So the Miller test's three parts are A, uh, whether, quote, the average person applying contemporary community standards, uh, whatever that means, and it's very localized as well, <laughs> yeah. um, would find the work taken as a whole. Uh, to be wholly deviant. Um, uh, whether the, number two is whether the work depicts, uh, in a patently offensive, uh, patently offensive way, uh, sexual consent. Def- and, and I think, I think here this movie definitely fails. Um, and, and then the slaps test. Well, the, but the, the third one is basically. Yeah. The, with that many critics of art. Yeah. Backing it would is unfailable. Yeah, whether the work yeah. taken as a whole lacks serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific. Value. Yeah, and that's the slap. Well, test. certainly it has no scientific value. No. It might actually be argued that it has political value, and certainly there's arguments for the the artistic yeah. value. Too. Yeah, exactly. As much as I hate the film, as much as I hate this movie, I it is, yeah, have, there there are arguments to be made in favor of at least two out of the four. Of yeah, those. exactly. Exactly, and that's why that's why that that's the slaps test: serious, literary, artistic, political, or scientific value slaps, um, slaps book apparently. But uh, anyway, um, <laughs> I, I think that's what yeah, the slaps the slaps the um, Anyway, uh, because of how that's worded, uh, it essentially nothing can fail, and that's why that's really the only reason pornography is legal in the U.S. is that every pornographic film has enough of a plot to argue artistic merit or literary merit. Well, and then at this point, the average person applying contemporary community standards would find the work <laughs> taken as a whole appeal. Yeah, the average porn film uh, it honestly isn't if, really pretty. If you look at what's considered average for a block, you know, a normal film. Yeah. 
in theaters and then compare it to what's present in a pornography. It's the differences are not so substantial as to I think the majority of people finding it reprehensible. Yeah, yeah. So. And I think I think as a good parallel to the jet plane uh, going in the background of my cop uh, my my half of this conversation, I think I just heard your son singing. Yeah, he's still awake and playing. I see. I see. He's ha- he's had a good day. I'm sure he's had a very good day. He should not listen to us talk about this. No, and. You know, here's the weird thing, okay? Yeah. Typically, I don't, in my mind as a parent, I find very little in the world that is inappropriate to expose a child to, uh-huh. okay? Uh-huh. Like, as a general rule, like, I watch Amer- I watch American TV shows in front of him with little or no concern about the content, oh. okay? All right. Even, like, because I do not consider, yeah, this is just my philosophy, but I don't consider many things beyond the range of whatever is appropriate to show a child but my god because like you know i mean i i I sat down to watch the film right when they were my wife and my son were going to bed because usually i can start the films because nothing happens in the first five minutes of a film anyway right well thank goodness i didn't (laughs) though it's it's weird in this movie because you think you think that well, this is watching it. That well, this is getting started really quick, and it's disgustingness. Having just heard about disgusting, that just hearing that this movie is 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 what it is, without knowing the specifics of what it gets to in the second and third acts. The first the first section of this movie is surprisingly tame compared to the rest. Yes, it is. But it's and still, like, but compared to any other thing that we've watched so far for this project, or any other thing that. I've watched it almost anything else. Almost watched. anything yeah. else I've ever seen. It's it is itself pretty. Even the first section is yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty but bad. like you know, well you know, like I I you know I I you know I pointed this out when we were talking before the podcast. But like if I, I'm looking at, if I look at my notes for this movie, I make pretty strong notations of the things that I found kind of crazy in the first act Mm -hmm. but when compared to what i saw in the other acts these are mild yeah but they're only mild by the fact of what when compared to itself basically yeah so um a basic rundown of what happens in this movie is that four uh well-to-do uh fascist gentlemen decide that they can do anything they want to do um kidnap uh 20 to 30 teenagers uh, have some act as guards, some act as their wives, and the rest be their sex slaves um, in a, an idyllic mansion. Uh, actually, not really that idyllic. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's actually pretty terrible. It's kind of... It's kind of well, well, I mean, the, the mansion itself is kind of... Uh, it's a little bit run down. Um, though, uh, so in the opening, in the opening sequence... Um, or not the opening sequence, but the opening section, which uh, P.S. is called Anti-Inferno, or Anti-Inferno, rather, um, the the outside of hell, the the same as the first which section. Which we should point out, the it, it is not just modeled off the Marquis de Sade book, but also yes. off of yes. Dante's the, Inferno. The, the section headings As we are, descend into yes, hell. or us descending into the hell of the situation. Um... <laughs> So, uh, they kidnap everyone in the first section, and then everybody gets this sort of, uh, 
a vetting process. They actually kidnap at first, probably it, it closer to confusing closing, closer to forty or fifty people. They they initially have, uh, and then they they make sure they only take the perfect specimens uh, through a uh, a brief interview and primarily a uh, a bodily uh, yeah inspection. inspection. Um, one girl is, for instance, well, thrown mean, out because she has a missing tooth. Um, right, lucky her. Yes, very, very lucky. Though actually, maybe not lucky her. We don't really know what happens to everybody. But who's... let's consider the fact the worst thing they could have done is murder her. Yes, that is true. So still lucky. And her. and as as the last section of this movie hammers home, there are a lot worse things than murder. I believe an exact quote uh, is. Uh, let me scroll down. Uh, they say in the last, uh, we will kill you a thousand times, I think is, uh, we don't, we don't plan on murdering you outright. We will murder you in a thousand small times, I think is, is what yeah, one of the guys I mean, says. Like, it's really like, you know, I had a thought like in the beginning of the film, in this first act, we see a boy attempt to escape from the cars that are driving him to the mansion. Yeah. And he is gunned down. Okay. Yes. And we are... <laughs> Especially upon reflection, we realize that that boy made the best decision. Yeah, um, out of everybody. At that moment in the we, in the film, we're still that we is, don't know that is that is violently. I mean, it's it's it, it establishes that these people are violent, but it, it no way hits at how violent the rest of the movie will get. This movie a lot, uh, reminded me in a lot of ways. I, I don't think you've seen it um, of Funny Games. Uh, which is a much more recent movie. Um, no, I have not seen it. In in Funny Games, Funny Games does for violence specifically. Uh, there's another movie called The Serbian Film um, that that do this a lot. Um, I, I didn't make it through The Serbian Film. I, I got sick of, tired of watching it um, fairly fairly quickly off. Um, this movie I actually pressed on through. I did have to stop four times. Salo, I mean. Anyway. Oh, okay. Uh, funny, I did not stop. Yeah. Funny Games... Um, does for violence what it could be argued that this is this is trying to do for for sexual mores within within art, um, and that is basically ask the audience, well, if this is so bad, why are you still watching? Well, your, but the thing is, is that your, we are watching it yeah. not because we want to watch it. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. For for us specifically, we are watching it for this project, which is why I would, unless you're trying to watch everything. Um, I would skip it. I would skip it. And actually, on the on the Criterion website, while I was while I was looking up information on this movie, um, they have comment sections on almost every page. And one of the fellows who is doing a Criterion blog, um, and and we'll give him a little shout out. Uh, except that I can't remember which. I looked up. I looked up a bunch of words. <laughs> Forgot. Well, I looked up a bunch of words um, that kind of rhymed with cri- Criterion or punned collection. Uh, to see if people had already covered it, and there were things like the Criterion Reflection, which I think is this guy's, and things, you know, to try and find a title for for our work, for what, and you know, eventually we settled on Lost in Criterion, obviously, um, but uh, I think his was was the Criterion Reflection, and he on his post said, "Well, I'm watching them in chronological order of release, like like original movie release, not not." Uh, not Criterion release. Um, so That's thankfully, confusing. thankfully, he says, I have years before I have to watch this again. 
Um, <laughs> and I thought that was really interesting. No one, I, <clears throat> no one I have talked to who has actually seen this movie, myself included, ever wants to watch it again. Yeah, I mean, but, that's a, that's saying something about the film. And I'm not sure if it's saying necessarily a bad thing or yeah. not. Because we get into the thing, I think, you know, it's important to understand that I started trying to process this film after I finished it. Like, during yeah. the film, it's basically unprocessable. Oh, yeah. It's, it's far too... Your brain shuts down. You are in shock. It's far too shocking. I almost threw up four times. It says so in my notes. Well, and, and <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. So, when I was about maybe, I'm going to say eight years old. If I think about eight. My, my dad and I both love the Indiana Jones movies, okay? okay? When I was about eight years old, oh. I watched it. There's a lot Raiders of comparisons of between this and Indiana Jones. Right. Um, <laughs> no, okay, I'm getting there. So I, I watched the Raiders of the Lost Ark with my father. And when we got to the face-melting scene, he told me, you need to cover your eyes. And I did, okay? Because, you know, children believe fathers. Yes. Implicitly, right? And so yes. I covered my eyes, and I did not look. I heard the screaming. That was terrifying. That <laughs> um, was good enough. And so it... and. I don't know how many years I went covering my eyes, but I'm going to go at least till I was probably 11 or 12. I covered my eyes. I never really watched it. And then when I watched it, I realized, well, this isn't so bad, right? Yeah. And since then, I have never covered my eyes in a film, okay? Uh, until this one. <laughs> until you I was bodily. I was compelled with, with, through no means of my own. I had no <laughs> control over my body's actions. My, I just covered my eyes. Yeah. I, yeah. at several points during, during, you know, as we will get into the, the feces eating scenes, yes. I couldn't deal with that. And, and that one was really weird that I couldn't deal with it because I know they're not actually eating feces. Yeah. I actually, but I'm, it's so it's emotionally really, charged at yeah, that point. Yeah. Um, that you buy into it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in retrospect, I felt even, even, uh, you know, because I paused. Uh, every so often, I pa- basically I paused every time an, an interstitial title card came up. Um, uh-huh. So I the, wish I had done that. The first time I felt really nauseous was at the end of the Circle of Manius, second section, um, mm-hmm. in which uh, all of the all of the captured sex slave teenagers are being made to walk around on all fours and naked and act as if they are dogs. And they are beaten. Oh, with the razor blades! Oh my yeah. god! And they put that. The, I that's one of the times I. And yeah. here's the worst thing, okay? I'm going to tell you something about uh-huh. that. I was not paying attention. Uh-huh. Because to deal with this, I also did things like surf the internet at the same time. So that <laughs> I, I had a reason to look away once in a while. Understood. And um, I looked up and that was happening. Yeah. And so I had to rewind the freaking movie. Yeah. And find out why she was bleeding from her mouth. Yeah. They put... Because they, I had to know what awful, horrible thing they did to her to make her bleed from They her shoved mouth. razor blades into a piece of bread and gave it to her. And, and had her eat it. And she actually, um, she was not, they, she didn't know there were razor blades. It's not like they forced her as a, as a method of torture to eat this. They gave it to her in good faith that it was actually bread. Um, despite the fact that well, even so that makes it torture, even by this moment, uh, this, this girl should have known that nothing, nothing these men do is in good faith. Um, yeah, and they, they do nothing that is <laughs> acceptable. Anyway. Uh, they shoved razor blades into bread, gave it to her, and, and she just, you know, blood is pouring out of her mouth. And that is the first time I felt physically ill. And then yeah. the very next section is the circle of shit, as, as and that it's is called here. And nothing that, but... That is nothing. Uh, the There's there's a series of courtesans, uh, former prostitutes who tell stories, 
And in the Circle of Mania, it was... It is... I think... This movie could have been worse in that all of the stories that are told are not shown on screen. They are just a woman talking about yes, thank what God. happened. Because the, in the Circle of Manias, the courtesans' stories are all of... It's really weird calling them courtesans. It sounds really... It's very respectful of their position. and Yeah, you, nothing. you can call them um, prostitutes. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, she talks about her sexual encounter starting... You know, the first time we hear an age is with her second one, which is at age seven, implying that the first one was even before that. Um, And, you know, her story stopped when she was like 14. Uh, But the second the second series uh, of stories is is also about a very young girl. Um, And all of these stories are designed to elicit uh, arousal. Within the listening group, according which, to our opening, which groups. I would like to point out, makes for the weirdest acting in the film. Yes, which yes. is hard to believe, is the responses of the main characters, who are yes. the, the the four the, men, the, the the four men, the four terrible human beings. Yes, are the most wooden human beings I've ever seen in my entire. They really life. are. Really... I can't decide if it's good acting or bad acting. It's because they do not respond. No, they are so accepting of everything that happens. I mean, and they're perpetrating everything that happens, so of course they're accepting of it, but they are so unresponsive to it being any to it being bad at all. Right, it's not, well, it's it's, as being stimuli in any way. Yeah. This is something they have paid to make happen. This is a thing they have desired for God knows how many years. And the response to it is the same way I would watch Olympic curling. Yes. It's very, oh, well, that's happening. Okay, yeah. All right. What? All right, that's going oh, on. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were like, oh, Pat's making fun of curling again. No, no, no. Uh, no, no. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, there's, no, it's deadpan. Yeah. And it's really hard to decide if it's really good acting or really bad acting. Yeah, and then every so often, they, you know, in, in each, they'll interrupt and say, uh, you know. Which is bad acting. We want this. That's when the, the acting gets bad. Yeah, or they'll Because they launch into soliloquies. They'll grab someone off and uh, and, and take them to a side room to, to uh, take care of weird. their needs. Um, when, yeah, beardy, do, when the bearded yeah. one gets peed on, I think that was the worst aside of any of those movies. Really? See, that was the one I could deal with the... Not the easiest, but that one didn't... Watching a grown man get peed on was just not that upsetting to me. <laughs> no, because, no, I suppose. Because you weren't, like, subjected to really seeing anything, yeah. except for, like, water was, run down his face. You're right. It was still... It was it was disgusting the, on levels, but, but no, you're absolutely Yeah, right. I mean, from a purely conceptual point of view, yeah, yeah. it's disgusting. But, yeah. like, from a actual what you saw was, like, eh. Yeah. Anyway, during the circle of shit, uh, the stories oh, all yeah. focus on this woman uh, who apparently has a very nice butt. Um, Which I are, disagree with. We are told but... and, and shown... Um, it's it's better to leave those things. That's that's what you can talk about how great a person's butt is, but always leave it implied because you'll never live up to someone's expectations. Right? Then they showed it to us, and we're like, "Yeah, oh, uh, really?" <laughs> anyway, um, uh, and and since all of her, uh, in in this is bizarre to me. Um, you know, sexualizing butts is one thing, but but the corollary to that in this movie, at least, and and 
I don't know if this, maybe I'm just not as obsessed as but, with butts as I should be, but apparently what follows... <laughs> That's insane for a good minute. Yes, what, what follows from being obsessed with butts is also being sexually obsessed with But that's poop. the weird thing about this, okay? And that's where I kind of have problems with the entire film and what it portrays as being human sexuality. Uh-huh. Is that, like, I am, I like to believe, extremely accepting of the range of human sexuality. <laughs> yeah. And I admit that there are people who are into this, but I do not think, I do not follow their chains of logic. Yeah. As deeply as they seem seem to, yeah, very. Like, yeah, they talk about how nice her butt is, and then everything that happens to her has not to do with them sexualizing her butt, but her feces. Yes, and I don't believe the connection is that strong. I do not no. think most people who find butts exciting <coughs> find the things that come out of the butts exciting. I hope not. Well, I think that's a pretty limited <laughs> fetish, and I don't, no, I don't, no, I really. really but in this film, it's like everybody she ever met in her entire life wanted to like do something with her shit. She is she is specifically the poo prostitute. And, yeah, it's, uh, and as, maybe she has a reputation as that, and maybe that's why all the people yeah, she encounters it's, it's with limited, women. yeah, limited exposure. Um, right, because she's known to have nice poo. She gets to tell the stories about everybody who likes poo. But then again, all four of our gentlemen also like poo, and right, and which force. is also kind of hard to deal with. In yeah. the context of this story, is that all four gentlemen? Why are we calling them gentlemen? Yes, all four. I, my, all my four of our fascist leaders. Yeah, um, in my notes, they're always referred to as the sick fucks. Um, <laughs> so, pardon my French. Um, but the thing is, they're all totally game and interested in all the same. Pretty, I would say. Pretty much niche. Would be, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they. They all respond yeah. to the the all three levels in exactly, basically the exact yeah. same way. Like, like some the, of them respond more strongly, but none of them find any of them not exciting. Exactly. exactly. Which is weird because if we're going to talk about, uh, in film, we're going to talk about sexual mores and things like that. We also have to, we should have acknowledged the fact that not everybody has the same ones. Yes. And yeah. the film doesn't accept that. This film says, like, these are things that we should... It basically seems to slap us in the face and say, like, these are things that should be acceptable. Or somehow. I don't think that's what well, he's saying. But yeah, I don't... But you know what I mean. It's, I but, but the, the well, idea is that, like, here are some things that exist in the spectrum of human sexuality. Yeah. And then all four of these men share them. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's, no, it's, it's, it's not a believable premise from that standpoint. <laughs> It's not necessarily. And and I don't know... See, that's, that's the weird part of this movie, is that it's not... It's... it's And it's, it's very weird to say this. You know, I've watched it... I watched it five days ago now. And this movie, despite the fact that, on its surface, all of this movie is just what, what many people would call deviant sex... Um, but the purpose of this movie, it's not about the sex, really. Yeah, and that's the weird thing. That's what yeah. makes it so, like, we could have done this with anything. Is we could the, have done it's this about, with a lot it's of about, different things. Yeah, it's about abuse of power and yeah. about, yeah, and uh, and about desensitization. I can't pronounce that word. Desensitization. Both of us can't pronounce that word. <laughs> Neither um, of us can pronounce that word. Um, but that's the thing, is that they use this kind of like very niche sexual yeah. activity to say that 
but they could have done it with just these guys murdering people. Yeah, funny games, guys. Funny, games, funny games does it with violence. The Serbian film does it with, with violence and, and sex. And to an extent, this this does it with with sex this and is then violent violence. Sex, yeah. Yeah, and um, it's not. But it's not just necessarily is, violent sex throughout, but but at the very end, it it's outright violence. Yeah, it um, just turns into violence, and that's. Yeah. But it's really hard to deal with that way because, yeah, it's not about the sex. No, but it is a movie about sex. Yeah, it is. So is, it's yeah, really yeah, hard exactly. to process the fact that it's making a point that's not related to sex. Yeah, it is not a movie about sex, sex, but it is a movie in which everything that happens is sexual. Right, and it's really, yeah. Again, and, yeah, I, it's really uh, hard to process. Even now, like I've been thinking about it for about twenty four hours, and I, I am not the kind of person who's prone. Like I am against any form of censorship, as far as I, yes. you know, as far as I'm concerned, there's no yes. such thing as as valuable censorship. But I found myself responding to this film in a way that yeah. I even find like reprehensible in my own self, which is like. I was like, God, we why does this movie exist? Why this yes. Yeah, yes, and, and, exactly. and now that I'm post watching the film and processing it, I think, wow, I'm ashamed of myself for feeling that way. Yeah. But at the same time, I absolutely despise the film. A lot of the defenses of this movie that I've read exist on that level too. That, you know, this sort of whatever can exist must exist school of, of right. art. That that real art causes a person to think but this movie there's there's i feel um and and you know i'm the i'm the same way with you in the in in the vast majority of you know this is that that art needs to art needs to make a person think yes and and very little art i've ever encountered besides this i would say would be obscene um but uh, and very little of anything I've ever I've ever encountered I would actually call obscene. Um, but this I really would it wouldn't legally pass that test in the U.S. and we you know we talked about that obviously. But the defenses of this are very much you know art needs to needs to say something. But the problem is that some art and and the sex in this movie especially is just for outrage. It's not trying to make anyone think. It's not right, trying right. to challenge yeah. our perceptions. We know, and the director knows, because he names each section of the movie after a circle of hell in Dante's Inferno. Uh, we know that what's happening here is morally wrong. We right. are not and, being and told to accept yeah. it. Right, which makes it... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And But here's the thing. is like, on the topic of making you think about something... That's actually one of the failings of this film, I would say. I mm-hmm. began processing this film after I watched it because I knew I was going to do a podcast on it. Yes. If I had watched this in my own time, well, first of all, I never would have finished <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. This is the first movie on our list that I would not have chosen to watch otherwise. Right. And But beyond that, even more to the point, though, I would not have processed it after mm-hmm. I finished watching it. I yeah. would have done my best to forget I had ever watched it. Yeah. And and that's a problem because a film that is too much that takes its point, that makes its point in a way that is too much, fails to make any point at all. Yeah, causing revulsion is not the same as making someone think. Right. Like I understand that the main topic of the film is about 
like that sort of that old phrase like absolute power corrupts absolutely kind of thing yeah yeah but the thing is is that i didn't find myself thinking about that i found myself thinking why on earth am i subjecting myself to this yeah and then and then more than anything being angry i found myself most of the time in the film while i was watching it incredibly angry and it did elicit emotion and i suppose you could argue that as far as if you judge art partially on the emotions that it can force you to feel that you would not normally feel it does succeed because i think i consider that a major merit of art art should elicit emotions regardless of what the person who is viewing it felt before like if you go view a painting that is truly beautiful you will be brought to like that feeling of like joy without regardless of what your emotions were before you looked at the painting but at the same time following that argument this film could have achieved that exact same purpose by showing us lots of things yeah or not even showing us as much of what they showed us as they did yeah they could have implied many of the things that happened and have achieved the exact same effect there's this movie they very briefly there's a scene where the the four men in charge discuss philosophy and and i think and there's the re the suggested reading list at the very beginning of the movie before the opening credits even start uh there's there's a hint of sort of pasolini the director um mockingly suggesting that that there's there's some sort of philosophy to this movie well and yeah and then like the philosophy they discuss is so yeah. bad well yeah. okay I'm i trying mean they to jump from nietzsche words, so bad they, shit insane yeah, they jump they they quote a thing and then argue whether it was nietzsche saint paul or somewhere some dadaist or something right yeah which it's so you know it's so strange and actually i, w- I want to mention real quick because right after right after we see that reading list and we move into the actual start of the movie the opening credits are really jazzy and it's a song actually called these foolish things well and that's the weird thing is the music in the film i quite liked yeah the music is which great. is weird and i did <laughs> actually very i did actually laugh at one of the jokes uh that which was it was it was a terrible joke, but it was in the first section in my defense. Oh, before things got really bad. Yeah, <laughs> things got really bad. Yeah, I um, I thought that joke was a. I honestly also was like, huh. the uh, the the eights and what's the difference between uh, between eight no no and the family. Eight is to four. No no is to against. And what about the family? Oh, they're doing fine. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I but, um, Well, that's the weird thing, is that, like, <laughs> in the setting of the first act, if they continued along similar lines with the film, yeah, in the same level of violence that's over-the-top, in the same sort of over-the-top sexuality uh-huh. of the first act, like that, the anti-Inferno yeah. act, um, the film would have actually, I think, been more effective for me. Because the over-the-top violence and the over-the-top sexuality found in that section is not so far over-the-top that it shuts down my ability to process the information. Yeah. You can still laugh at stupid jokes in that first act. But then at the same time, find these people to be reprehensible. Yes. Because, I mean, you find these people to be reprehensible almost the first time you meet them. The things they do to these children are are just disgusting, even in the first act. But they're not so disgusting that they push you past the boundary of what you can deal yeah. with. By the time we get to the end, and and if they had left it at the level of the first one, I don't think I don't think I would have nearly as 
I wouldn't have hated the film. I would have Um, not liked it, but I would not have hated it. But by the time we get to the end, with what we've seen, it is almost... And, you know, maybe I'm just too into American cinema after the Hays Code, where crime has to be punished. I mean, but even even movies where where criminals get away, you know, they're good. They're they're good because of that. In this movie, it felt insulting almost. Yes, it did. That no one was punished. It made me. That's one of the parts that made me the most angry. Yeah. And and I, if that's again, we get into the thing. If that's the main goal of the film, yeah, it does an incredibly good job of it. But it could have done the same job without doing as much as it did. Even. Even if there was like an absurdist Deus Ex Machina ending, and that all of the doll oh, roaring for in the I last, wanted it to happen. So what bad. I what I really wanted to happen, what you know, starting with like I think starting about halfway through uh, the Circle of Shit, or maybe just at the beginning of the Circle of Blood, we start hearing this doll roar in the background. Mm. It's and and it seems it's never commented on, which is why I thought maybe it was building to something. Um, because it sounds like a plane overhead, and maybe maybe it, it happens enough that it's not just incidental. I mean, right. obviously the the sound recording in this movie is pretty it's, it's naturalistic. Abysmal. It's yeah, it's abysmal. It's just it's well, a bunch I mean, of no, I was going to get into around, it, but, but like like and then well, they do a lot of like ADR like overdubbing, yeah, and it's yes. just atrocious. Yes, it's the, the worst ADR sound is recording I've ever atrocious. seen in this. It's probably the worst I've ever seen in the film, including yes. like. Early cinema, like <laughs> yes, including beginning of sound. Anything cinema. that came out of Australia for for like twenty years had really yeah. terrible ADR. But, but this is the worst I've ever seen. This is, this this is, is really the, bad. it was terrible. Sorry, anyway, not to derail you, but yeah, yeah. Sorry. But what, what I was expecting from those roars was just I don't know everyone to be bombs. carpet bombed or something. Yeah, just, like that's you know everyone thing. die indiscriminately even. Yeah, that's would the weird thing is I would have accepted everyone die. <laughs> yes, yes. But the fact that nothing happened. Well, that's the weird thing is, in the end, one of my biggest problems with the film, more than anything, is that nothing actually happens. There's yeah. no story. This film lacks. Because, no, like, we go through the entire affair. All it is is scene after scene of basically child rape, okay? Essentially, yeah. And we get to the end, and what... And we see the boys, the two little, the two young men dancing. And I understand that that is, I, I hope... At least my interpretation, that is supposed to be a, a comment on the absurdity of it all. Yeah. Okay. Is it, I, that's supposed well, to I be think, the director saying, and that star show, folks, that was absurd. Well, I, th- I think I th- my my take on the ending um, was was kind of, uh, Umberto is, is the one guard there who's, who's dancing. And yeah. we all of those guards, they're the first guys we see. They are the very first people we see. Yes. They're the guys riding the bike in the opening sequence. Right. I mean, maybe not the very first people I see, but we see. But it's but close they're enough. Very, it's close enough. Um, and and we follow them all the way through. And it goes from them being kidnapped to them being put in a position of power and, and you know, enjoying that position to them in that last scene accepting the reality of the situation as normal. And they are yeah. so, well, it has so know. been normalized. It's so been normalized that they can ignore torture and rape going on in the courtyard and just have a waltz. Well, and that's, that's the interesting thing is I'm not a hundred percent sure. Even now I agree kind of, I think I feel that way when I, 
when I I felt that way when I watched it, but I, at the same time, upon reprocessing it, I'm not sure that it's supposed to make a point that they have been desensitized mm-hmm. so much as this has broken them. Okay. Because because dancing in 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 film or in any situation, any drama, can also be an indication of complete surrender and madness. <laughs> And they have every reason yeah. to be mad, even though they're the ones in power. Oh yeah, no, they no, have every think, reason why they should be insane too. I think that they could they could have stacked. That's kind of what, uh, and I think that's what Pasolini is getting at in, in equivocation of madness and and desynthesization. Yeah, okay. That that the problem the problem isn't that these guys. Well, I mean, the problem is that these guys have stopped caring. But that in and of itself is crazy. That it is crazy that society could get to a point where such a thing could happen and no one cares. And yes, I think that's yeah. personally, and obviously this is blown way, but, way the, bigger yeah. than yeah. I mean, and and way more emotionally bigger because it's so, it's so finite in what's happening. I mean, this is this is a group of thirty, forty people at the most that this is affecting, but. We get it's it's you know this whole morality that things incrementally get worse, and we as a society just keep accepting those incremental changes. That eventually we are as much monsters as the people perpetrating them, just because we've done nothing and we go about our normal lives. But and the thing about it, and what I find kind of upsetting about that point, and I understand that that is probably one of the main drives of film is that they don't care at the beginning either and that's what i find upsetting one of the things at least I find they're upsetting. running at the beginning they run at the beginning but we, we watch a magical transformation okay they go from yeah. running at the beginning to apparently from what you can see in even the first act the guards are wholly accepting uh, accepting of the situation that is and that's kind of upsetting because they are equally fragile young people you well, I think and that's, they, that's the same sort of, you know, just following orders, uh, Nazism thing that, yeah. you know, you just, this is, this is what you're told is right. So you'll go along with it. Uh, you know, that's, it's like the, the Stanford prison, uh, was it Stanford? The, the prison, uh, experiment. Oh, you okay. know, the guard, yeah. the cards become ruthless just because they're guards and that's how guards should be. Yeah. And I understand that. Also, but at the yeah. same time, they're and here's my problem with it. Okay, it's among many problems. They are never told that this is an acceptable <coughs> behavior. It is never fed to them that what is going on is right. What they are told is that because these men are powerful, they have no choice but to do what they're told. And this is this exists for the um this the the guard the quote unquote guards because they're not any more guards than the victims. You know what I mean? They're giving. Guns, yeah. but that doesn't make them guards. Yeah, um, yeah. they are also victims. Um, so none of the victims are told that what is going on is right. None, of, and and but you do see that with like Nazism and any of these sort of like sort of brainwashing situations, the people are told that because I'm in power and I'm telling you that this is right, it must be right. Well, I think, but they're I not told that's... that. They're told they're kind of just forced to do these things that they don't want to do without well, it's an, being it's told an implicit... that it's morally justified. It's... It's an implicit rightness, and I think uh, you know that's that's something. It's like uh, this isn't. 
if, if there's a World War II analogy in what we're seeing that isn't obviously fascist, post, <laughs> post Mussolini fascist Italy, um, this isn't, this isn't Nazi guards killing Jews because they were told that that's right. This is America accepting the dropping of the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. This is, this is us getting to a point where we don't think about the morality of it. We just view it as inevitability and, and an accepting form of okay, and, ending. And I, I understand of, of governance. that thing. I, I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, that takes a building. If the bomb had been dropped in the... Okay, this is probably not something we should be talking about in the podcast too much, <laughs> but if it had been dropped in the first year of the war, it would have, the response would have been radically different. And even now, yeah. even at the dropping of the bomb, there was major, major resistance to it. And that's what I find upsetting. One of the things I find upsetting about the film is we see basically no resistance from anybody except for the, yeah. the actual well, torture victims. And, yeah, and I think, I think that's part of, part of the movie is actually, is also a condemnation of non-revolution. I think, I think we get, we get to that point. I don't know if it's necessarily explicit. Well, it's certainly not explicit. I don't know if it's necessarily intended. Um, but I think, you know, part of, part of this setup of the slippery slope of power is, is the implicit condemnation of anyone who doesn't stop it. Right. And yeah, and you, I, I, and yeah, yeah. And cause you do find yourself throughout the entire film saying, why isn't anyone, including the victims, yeah. doing anything to stop this? No yeah. one's resisting. Not even the victims yeah. are truly resisting. I mean, these men are putting themselves in situations that are intensely vulnerable. Yeah. All the time. Well, to get to get a little more political than we probably should, um, you know, the acceptance of the bomb leads us on this moral, very slow, slippery slope. To today, you know, we have the we have the drones. The U.S. government using drones to kill, you know, among other people, U.S. citizens in foreign countries, uh, solely because they've been said that they're terrorists. And and post post. Uh, death, you know, we can say anybody was a terrorist because they were hanging out with terrorists, so obviously, you know, the collateral damage is acceptable. And there is such a... There are people speaking out against this sort of thing. But there's, a, but that's the thing, is there's a but massive not, amount of people who speak out It's not them. a massive amount. It's not a massive... It is not a massive enough for it to... It's not playing in the U.S. elections at all. This is, this is a clear moral wrongness this is Obama taking taking the Patriot Act and expanding it to, to to places that Bush never dreamed of, but it's not coming up in the election because we never question the morality of our war. Well, but see, I don't think that's an, an accurate assertion. This is not something we should be talking about in this podcast. <laughs> no. But I, again, like having been among groups of people who were against the war from the very beginning, there's always groups of people who resist. There may not be strong enough to win, but there are always groups, and we don't see a group in this film. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's we not so much we the fact that the group is not effective. We see one person trying to escape. We see people break... You know, everybody gets punished at the end because everyone's actively breaking the rules, though. We're not necessarily shown that until... But breaking until the rules the and resisting everybody. are not the same thing. They're breaking the rules is, because they it's are... Resistance, it's resistance to the rules. It's resistance since, to the rules since, rather than to the situation. 
And and well, I that's, find that there's the a, there's a fine line there because they are resisting the rules. You don't get the impression that they are resisting the rules because they are trying to overturn the situation, Under, uh, undermine the situation. I, uh, they're resisting the rules because they they're be. 18 years old or 16 years old. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. You know what I mean? Like, there's a difference there. They, you don't see anybody in the film who has a character of upstandingness or even a character of, like... The closest we get is that girl we find at the very beginning who has been her throat slit because she will not give up her religion. Yeah. And that's the closest thing, because that is active resistance. That is her saying, yeah. I will not do this thing you are making me do. But we don't hardly see that for the rest of the film. After her that death, no one else has any moral standing, including the victims. I know it, you can't, whatever, it's a film, so we can blame the victims in this situation. But <laughs> they do not do anything to alleviate their own harm, their own, their well, own maybe... bad situation. Maybe we can, we can, you know, let me, let me get my words in a row here. Um, the fact that, you know, the first guy who tried to escape was shot down. The one girl who refuses to give up her religion is, is murdered. There, there is that implicit violence that keeps people in line. Right. But in situations of that kind of violence in the real world, we see people who still resist? Who there still, are still resist, people who but resist. also people who realize that death is better than what I have, be what has become of me. Yeah, and so actively do these things as a way of seeking death, and we don't even really see that. We have, you see a few people who are almost elated when they are sentenced to death, but even in yeah. those situations where they have been sentenced to death, they could force the situation, and they don't. And I find that problematic i find the the and maybe it's because i've never been tortured okay so are you suggesting are you suggesting that more people should have committed suicide in this movie kind of yeah i well, think i think get, more people get, should have committed suicide person. by proxy we do we do commit and we do have one person that actively commits suicide it's it's, it's best not to ignore that and it's one of the courtesans the the musician we never yes. get to hear her stories yes. but she sees what's going on and she throws herself out of the third floor window and, but that, um, I think that brings up more, does more than anything to bring up contrast as to mm -hmm. why is she the only person? Yeah, why is she the only person? Because, no, yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm not, and again, like, because this movie is so confusing on this, in this way, because it's also not, in my opinion, a very well made movie. Yeah. Um, cause this movie isn't about, itself. this movie isn't about lighting, this movie isn't about audio this movie isn't about writing which, even yeah which makes it not very well, good it's barely about acting <laughs> yeah it's a, barely about acting this movie this movie is a psychological exercise and uh since that's the only thing that's going on in it it's really not that great a movie right yeah even if you just analyze it from a purely cinematic standpoint this is a terrible film yeah but and that that's but just you you are forced to me talk about it yeah talk about the sort yeah. of the reactions of the characters and i find at least from my perspective, the reactions... I mean, yeah, sure, there should be definitely some Munchausen syndrome cases going on, for sure. But there should also be some people who are outright killing themselves. Or, I think or you said forcing... Munchausen, you meant... Uh, Did I say the wrong word? You, meant, you said Munchausen, which is people... Oh, uh, you're right, I'm sorry, yeah. yeah the other one? About... What are the ones uh, I'm thinking about? Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm syndrome. Is, I, think I like the word Munchausen better. 
No, we should definitely work the word Munchausen into, into Sorry, general speech much more often. I'm sure but, we'll get emails no. when this finally gets released in like three years. Um, <laughs> yes. But yeah, no, okay, there's so definitely, Stockholm Syndrome. There's, there's, definitely, there's definitely a little bit of Stockholm we do Syndrome, get it, especially yeah. with the guards. Yeah, we do get it with some of the guards. And the, I can accept that as a behavior. Yeah, if the, yeah. but that's the thing. If, if the victims started to enjoy, I would even find it more accepting. Than what we see. Yeah. They seem to, even at the end, find this to be torture, but they do none of the things that you expect people who are being actively tortured to do. Yeah, even The only even thing they can the do end. is they do try to bargain. And yeah. that is, is, a, is something I would expect to see in this situation. But, again, like, none of them attack. You don't see any of them. Because, like, yeah. well, no none one, of them attack no one, any of the men. No one accepts that they have any power in the situation. And that's, that is, you're absolutely right that that's unrealistic. The, I mean, we have, we have, you know, 20 teenagers who could overthrow and escape if they wanted to work together. Even if they didn't work together, one of them could murder one of the other. You know what I mean? Like, which isn't, I think, a thing that could happen, should happen in a situation of mass torture. Yeah. Yeah. Someone, someone should, somebody should be active resistance. You're, you're right. There should be more active resistance. And the breaking of the rules, if it's resistance, is passive resistance at best. And, and, and not very, be, yeah, and, and meaningless. Because as soon as, yeah, like, it meaningless the heat turns on them, they rat theory. each other out and stuff like that. And I, again, I think that's an acceptable, something you would expect to see in this situation. But yeah. at the same time, you don't, they're alone with these men who are just men. Yeah. On so many occasions. And, yeah. and I kept waiting for somebody to do something in one of those situations. Someone, yeah. And maybe that's, I guess maybe that's the point of the film. But. Well, yeah, that's, I think, yeah, I think that is kind of the point. But again, and we got to it, in, to it in such a terrible way that it's. Yeah, no. <laughs> Whatever the point of this movie, <laughs> and, and we could, yeah. I think we most people who try to find a point of this movie lead to something like what we're what we're saying now. Yeah, in our twisty turning um, way. Yeah. Um I I think but yeah, there's definitely there's definitely Basically we, well, we let's, let's say get this. to the point. Um don't watch this film. <laughs> yeah. It's just um, the point. Honestly if you haven't watched this movie yet, I would not recommend watching this movie. I would yeah. recommend this to no one. Um even even other movies where I had problems with the movie, like uh, Walkabout. Walkabout yeah, has, has completely gratuitous. Yeah, it does have some gratuitous and and the story of the <laughs> gratuitous underage. Nudity that and that's that. what's so upsetting. And, um, gratuitous nudity, yes. in my opinion, is not. Yeah, normal, but gratuitous underage nudity <laughs> is a problem. Yeah, um, and then and then you know the the, the story itself has has some weird issues, yeah. but because of the weird issues with the story, actually, and the way it's shot and the way it's put together, it. I would recommend that movie to certain people. Yes. Um, but this movie, I cannot, I cannot imagine a person that I know now or will ever meet that mm-hmm. I would suggest to watch Sally. Right, because if you know that person, that person needs to be committed. Yes. And the the weird part about this movie is that while it's based on the words of the Marquis de Sade, um, it is not, it is not nearly as explicitly bad as the works of the Marquis de Sade. Um, Which I've never it is read, not so. a very good it is not a very good adaptation 
the the actual the actual 120 days of Sodom um, is a lot worse than anything we see on here. It just this just barely scratches the surface. But at the same time, because it's a book, um, right, right, it's not nearly it's not nearly as bad because we are not actively seeing it. Yeah, what's going on? Um, I could read anything, and I might find it morally reprehensible, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to uh, throw up. I suppose stop reading a book to throw up. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. This, this film is, is just yeah it, because it lacks cinematic merits and that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah, you can't find anybody. The only person you could also ever possibly recommend to it is somebody in like film class. Basically, yeah. the only people who should ever watch this film are people who want to be actively <laughs> involved in I, film. I think the only people who... No, I, I won't even... I won't no, even but they're going to be made broad. to watch it, is what I mean. The only people who should ever watch this movie are people who are explicitly trying to watch all of the Criterion movies. Okay, yeah, I'll give you that, yeah. Well, I, think, I mean, I I'm just, I'm, my point was just that I'm sure some other kids in some other film class have been subjected to this nightmare. I am sure that there are college um, film classes yeah. that watch this movie. Yeah, on its artistic I'm sure merits. that I am sure that there is a professor who tries to argue artistic merits, much like I had a professor who tried to argue that Murder at the Rue Morgue was about homosexual sex, um, which which really doesn't work. Um, no, actually, uh, no. On that note, I want to tell this story. I had a professor in college who spent an hour and 45 minutes of an hour and 15 minute long uh, discussion class lecturing on how the murder at the Rue Morgue, which is a 10 page short story, was all about homosexuality. Yeah, I've never read it. Um, well, it's, 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 it's Poe. It's the first detective story. I know, but I've still never read it. Codified. It's a great story. No, I know. A monkey did it. I know. The plot and everything. I just never. A monkey read it. did it. That makes it better. But but because a monkey did it, it's all about. I don't understand. Or I don't okay. know. He spent a half hour longer than the class was. Did you leave? telling us all of this thing? I did not. You leave. Should I, have. Did, I didn't have anywhere. I wanted to see where it was going. <laughs> I really did. To the very end, I didn't have anywhere else to be. So I wanted. I wanted to end this. Um, so, what, but but his okay. he ended he ended and this is important. He ended by saying. Of course, only two post scholars seriously seriously consider this an accurate reading of the of the work, and I'm one of them. I think it sounds like he has an obsession more than anything. <laughs> he does. Uh, so <laughs> we should make up our own meaning for this movie that is totally and utterly um, unrelated. I think uh, this film is about. Um, let's see here. We got to think of something. What can we think of that's really absurd? Well, I think this movie is really uh, about how uh, you should have your cats and dogs spayed and neutered um, mm-hmm. to avoid overpopulation. I should almost of, see that of the pet community. Uh, I was going to yeah, go with no. maybe you should um, maybe like reuse and recycle. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is a very environmental. <laughs> well, I was trying to think of something. Um, that there's no way I could justify it. Yeah. This is waste not what not waste not what not. Um, I don't want to think about this movie. <laughs> waste not what not. not. <laughs> that is that is not a place oh, I want to go with this movie. Oh, I mean, we could definitely we could definitely justify that's, that yeah, that's because arguable. we could justify anything. Yeah. That's how that's how literary criticism works. 
Um, but, but this is, no, this is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who put this? What? One, one final note. Uh, this movie was on, um, the Chicago Film Critics Association in 2006, named Sallow as the 65th scariest and film I ever. And I totally made. agree with the, the classification and, of this and as it a is, horror film. This is, this is not, I mean, it is in no way a traditional horror film. Um, but it is, I mean, and even, even like Saw and Funny Games, which would do things like this might do as horror. This movie, this movie is a terror film. Yes. This is a psychological terror film. And, and in that regard, it's kind of like The Thing. And The Thing, The Thing is much more a terror film than a oh, horror yeah. film. Oh, God. Um. Let's not talk about that, Mill. Let's not talk about that. That's not <laughs> but, a Criterion Collection, is it? <laughs> no, no, unfortunately it's not. Um, I don't think I would survive, Adam. I, I like sleeping. It's one of my favorite movies ever. Oh. Um, but you have to you have to worry about thinking about your wife being an alien yeah. uh, when when you watch that movie, I guess. <laughs> but it's all what a terrifying. But thing. no. Anyway, anyway, this is this is definitely Well no, I can say the, that this is probably the scariest film I've ever seen in my entire life. I would yeah. say like yeah. it is it is it is absolutely not a traditional horror film, but it is absolutely a horror yes. film. I agree completely with the classification of the horror film. One thing, one thing I do find, and I'm going to use the word absurd, and I'm going to use it in traditional sense and not in the sense that everyone uses it now. This is not absurd. One thing that I find that I think pulls this back from being super scary for me is that it is absurd not in a funny way, but it is absurd in a sort of meaninglessness way. We get, like, like the poop-eating scene. The very first time we see the girl eats the poop, it's very clearly a very thick ganache, um, which, which accurately portrays poop. Um, so if you're not really, if you're not trying to accept that as a movie, um, then, then it's okay. The second scene, it's all, like, sausages and water. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that, that reached, that actually pushed it to an almost, I, I wasn't sick during the bank. Oh, see, I was. I found that. And, but the thing is, is I found that upset, upsetting because of the sort of emotional terror the film had already, uh, yeah. hit no, me with. No, certainly. You almost, your, your, your emotional defenses are so broken down already at that point, in my opinion. Yeah. That at least for me, I accepted it, even though, yes. If I were to just see that scene, if somebody showed me a still yes. of that scene, I'd be like, why is there a bunch of like poop-shaped sausages in a bowl? But yeah. because yeah. of what they are doing to you as an audience member, you, yeah. you buy it. And it's absolutely, it's it is totally horrific. At least for me. Yeah. And, um, there's, there's one more thing we, we didn't really mention yet, and that's the final scene... Um, sequence the circle of blood everyone is being tortured to death and we watch it our only view of the torture is through binoculars and i think i think that lends to something we talked about earlier about it being uh in some ways a condemnation of the audience for continuing yeah, to you watch. are still watching this yeah yeah i would definitely yeah, agree with that yeah but then again um we're watching it because we have to so it's less effective yes <laughs> exactly exactly um, but I think I think that is a very poignant part of this movie, um, and and I did like that uh, after I thought about it and, and yes. processed it. Post processing it, um, it is 
a good point. But while it's happening, I had to close my eyes. Like a, like I was when I was five. My friend Ryan Bowling, uh, who is who is an aspiring filmmaker himself and uh, has made a movie recently called Shelter that if you get a chance to check out, you should. I just wanted to plug him there. Uh, but I talked to him about this movie. Um, and he's he's not watched. In discussing our project, I mean, eh, Pat and I's project, the, the Lost in Criterion, um, he's, he's very interested, but he has not watched a lot of the Criterion Collection and hasn't watched a lot of classic cinema despite the fact that he wants to make movies and, and be, a, be a writer, producer. I think that's a surprisingly common thing. Yeah, no, it's very common, and 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 Ryan still still manages to make good things, um, despite despite that. Uh, I know plenty of people who make terrible things despite that. But anyway, Ryan Ryan pointed out uh, after after we we're talking about the movie for a little bit, he said, and and maybe this will help you, Pat, and and we can end on this note. Um, realize, despite everything, this is a movie. And think about how everyone sat around during that poop-eating scene, waiting for hours as someone adjusted the lights. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's, uh, that's a good point. Thank you for listening to Lost in Criterion talk about Silo. Next time around, we'll be watching Sam Fuller's, uh, Sam Fuller's uh, 1964 neo-noir uh, uh, The Naked Kiss, um, which is a movie I you know, haven't watched it. I, I really like that movie. That's um, for next time. But uh, but that is for next time. We'll talk about that. Um, incidentally, uh, as, as a fun note for moving into that, this week, Sam Fuller would have been 100 years old. Wow. Except for except for whenever we release this, it'll probably be like 108. Well, yeah. I mean, this is... <laughs> we've got 612 movies to watch. This isn't going to be released until like 2029. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. See you next time. and Criterion, a production of With Two Brains. The show is hosted by Adam Glass and John Patrick Owatari Dorgan. Jonathan Hape did the music, and Adam Glass also edited it all together. Feel free to contact us by email via lostincriteria at withtwobrains.com 
or join us on the web at www.lostincriterion.com.